You're listening to the Union Church Podcast. For more information about Union, please visit unionboston.org. Honestly, I don't know where to begin. I just don't know where to begin. There is so much, too much happening still. This very palpable, very chaotic energy that is so present in our world right now continues to seep in. And it all too often leaves me feeling completely disoriented. Perhaps you can relate. I want to somehow sit at the feet of and listen to the stories of my ancestors. I want to mull over all the think pieces that I can so that I can more fully embody the spirit of Juneteenth. I want to celebrate with my people the freedom, the form of freedom that finally came to people who were enslaved on June 19, 1865. Two years, two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation. I want to celebrate big, like only Black people can. I want to remember how important it is that steps are being taken towards firing an officer involved in the killing of Breonna Taylor. I want to remember that in between the time that we were last together and now, the Supreme Court declared that people cannot be discriminated against in their place of employment because of who they are. And I want to move forward, holding on to the fact that just three days later on Thursday, the Supreme Court ruled to uphold deferred action for childhood arrivals and put the tremendous amount of uncertainty that some 700,000 people have to live with every single day at bay for at least a little while. I want to honor all the fathers and tell you that I have a really good dad who showed my sister and I how to breathe, to focus our minds, who taught us multiplication facts, drove us to the best playgrounds that he could find no matter how far away they were and purchased flush puppies for us on Fridays. I want to be outside. I want to dance outside. I want to dance with people and spend these first days of summer listening to the poetry of creation since it's never let me down yet. And I will. Somehow, some way, 
I will celebrate and I will continue to hold all of these things close. And I pray that you will too, because our celebration, like our joy, is real and is a beautiful expression of our resistance. And still, at the same time, I, I'm disgusted that in the year 2020, an incredibly cruel, downright evil political rally was intentionally held the day after Juneteenth on the very streets of Tulsa, Oklahoma, where the lives of hundreds of African-American people were stolen by white supremacists in a murderous rage 99 years ago. I am heartbroken by the murder of 19-year-old Black Lives Matter activist, Aluwatoyan Salu, who was killed by a Black man after tweeting about a sexual assault. Bothered that there aren't more people saying her name and disturbed by how vulnerable the lives of Black women are. And I can't bear to see the image of George Floyd's sweet daughter, Gianna, singing that her daddy changed the world. When the murder of her father is not a reality that that precious brown-skinned girl should know. When she too should be able to place in her father's strong hands some wonderful homemade craft or card on this day instead of making meaning of his death. It's all quite nauseating. And perhaps this is all akin to the paradox that celebrants of Juneteenth and other emancipation anniversaries knew from the get-go. They who celebrated the sweetness of a long fought for freedom, their birthright, while remembering the horrors of being enslaved, while experiencing the horrors that lingered. They took for themselves and these victories, the space in the world they always deserved, and still they knew that their fight did not end there. Our fight does not end here. We know this. We know this in our bones because we have inherited a robust faith that teaches us that we are not merely trying to get by, hopped up on kind gestures or recognition or acceptance into some backwards club. We're trying to get free. 
We know this because Jesus came so that we all may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus did not come so that some of us could have access to a thin, lackluster freedom some of the time. We know this because in the 10th chapter of the book of Matthew, Jesus invited his people, the disciples, not into a space of comfort where things would look only slightly different, but Jesus invited his disciples into a space of discomfort and division. And this was their commissioning, y'all the very beginning of their ministry. And here comes Jesus with the, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. In his address, Jesus names that to follow him will always involve sacrifice and a willingness to disrupt the status quo. And Jesus does go on Jesus does go on to look his disciples in the eyes, reassuring them that just as God cares for all creation, God values and cares for all people. As for you, every hair on your head has been counted. So don't be afraid of anything. You are worth more than an entire flock of sparrows, Jesus says. You, child of God, belong here, Jesus says. There is power in what you are doing here when you just are because all that you are injects necessary color into this world, Jesus says. Your largeness, is blessed, Jesus says. The making of you was the ultimate pleasure, Jesus says. And in the grand scheme of things, your life matters more than any one person could ever begin to conceptualize. And while this message of reassurance surely brings comfort, Jesus also reminds us that his message does not bring peace, but the sword. That is to bring about the reign of God. The kingdom of God requires radical changes in society. Changes that challenge. Changes that dismantle power structures. So, when we are inundated with dizzying emails and press releases from companies, corporations, and CEOs trying to make nice when they're actually treating Black people, marginalized people, like they are, like we are once again their flavor of the month that just really is not the radical change Jesus is speaking of. It is a band-aid for loveless systems that are broken beyond repair, albeit a more useful band-aid that now speaks to the handsome array of colors that we are and have always been. 
these changes are important because representation matters these changes are important the images that we see that our children see matter but a world where children no longer see retrograde images of black women when eating their breakfast, but still could witness police fatally shooting their parents while they are in the back seat of their car is no better world to me. Philando Castile. It's as if these companies believe peace is theirs to give. Even Jesus, God's anointed one, the one whom we devote our entire selves to, the one given the name above all names says, I came not to bring peace, but a sword which is to say that peace is not some product that some superior person can place in your precious hands, but an element that is present in your very DNA. Peace is present in every cell of your body, and yes, the evils of this world get all up and in the way of our knowing the peace that is ours, and that, that is why Jesus came and continues to come to bring a sword. Jesus was clear. We're trying to get free. And to get free, we've got to cut away, cut off, demolish all that is not of God. Every single thing that works to separate human beings from themselves, from God, and from one another. The hateful policies, loveless systems that perpetuate oppression and forces that delay the flow of justice, the very essence of God, all of that has got to go. Surely, Enacting such change will come with its consequences. But I'm not talking about lives that some might say must be lost. I'm talking about the discomfort that will come as we separate ourselves from that which no longer serves us or people like us. I'm talking about the discomfort that will come as we dismantle systems that do nothing but harm people unlike us, whose sacred worth we recognize and not just recognize, but fight to make room for. I'm talking about taking care. Just like we've got to take care, we've got to get free. Action is required. And we learn from Nelson Mandela that to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. I've also heard it put this way by theologian 
Reverend Dr. Melva Sampson. To get free, we've got to project a future. Create a future unconstrained by the limitations of the past, which is much harder work than accepting the one that was given to us as our destiny. So I'm here today. I'm just here today to remind us of what we already in so many ways know. We're not trying to merely get by. We're trying to get free. We're not trying to get by. We're trying to get free. Get free, beloved. Get free. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about Union Church, please visit unionboston.org.